is Retirement Talk. I'm Del Lowry. Retirement gives us time to pause with poets, both living and dead. We could do worse than spend some time in their world. Mrs. Calkins required that we memorize this when I was a junior in high school. It seemed most appropriate for a podcast concerning retirement. Tell me not in mournful numbers, life is but an empty dream, for the soul is dead that slumbers, and things are not what they seem. Life is real, life is earnest, and the grave is not its goal. Dust thou art, to dust returneth, was not spoken of the soul. Lives of great men all remind us, we can make our lives sublime and departing leave behind us footprints on the sands of time, footprints that perhaps another sailing o'er life's solemn main, a forlorn and shipwrecked brother, seeing shall take heart again. Let us then be up and doing with a heart for any fate, still achieving, still pursuing. Learn to labor and to wait. You may recognize that as some of the verses from What the Heart of the Young Man Said to the Psalmist by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I suppose Miss Cawkins thought it was inspirational and might help us throughout life. That was 60-odd years ago. Poetry has a way of staying with us. It becomes part of our blood. It is concise, meaningful and nourishing. A few months ago, a retiree, Eileen Allen, author of I Like Being Old, invited Brenda and I to meet her in Seattle. She told me that her eyesight was very limited. She had read much of her long life. She was 93. She read enough to obtain a Ph.D., among other things. Now her vision was gone, and the printed word had disappeared. She'd taken up memorizing poetry. She was asked to recite on many occasions and in varied places. She chose poems that had special meaning for her and then lived with them until they became internalized. When she leaned in toward you and starts a poem, it feels like you have been transported into a new world. Here is one she recited for us while we were at lunch. Now I Become Myself, written by May Sarton. It certainly speaks to the retired. Now I Become Myself. It's taken time, many years and places. I have dissolved and shaken, worn other people's faces, run madly as if time were there, terribly old, crying a warning. Hurry, you will be dead before... What? Before you reach the morning? Or the end of the poem is clear? Or love safe in the walled city? Now to stand still, to be here, feel my own weight and density. The black shadow on the paper is my hand, the shadow of a word, as though shapes the shaper, 
falls heavily on the page, is heard. All fuses now, falls into place, from wish to action, word to silence. My work, my love, my time, my face, gathered into one intense gesture of growing like a plant, as slow as the ripening fruit, fertile, detached, and always spent, falls, but does not exhaust the root. So all the poem is, can give, grows in me to become the song, made so and rooted by love. Now there is time, and time is young. Oh, in this single hour I live, all of myself, and do not move. I, the pursued, who madly ran, stand still, stand still, and stop the sun. Writer's Almanac by Garrison Keeler was a short program of poetry and aired over National Public Radio almost every afternoon a few years ago. Now it can be found as a podcast entitled The Writer's Almanac. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. The poems come from all sorts of people spanning several centuries. Just for this brief time, life pauses, and we can catch a glimpse of another world. It comes like an invisible knife, making an opening in the mind. Maybe it has to do with the demand a poet makes. We listen carefully. We pause when they pause. We move when they move. We consider what they consider. We recognize the universal ties that bind us to another human being. Maybe it has to do with the craft of poetry itself. Extraneous words have been eliminated. The story emerges with care. It has a beginning, middle, and end. It has a turning point, a nick, Robert Frost called. A place where a question or problem appears. The poem turns. My introduction to poetry came from Mrs. Cockins during my junior and senior year of high school. It was cemented by hearing and seeing Carl Sandburg in the spring of 1961. It was one of his last public readings. He came to our college, and I spent my last dime to get a ticket. I went early and sat down front. There was a small table in the center of the stage, and on it sat several books and a Goya folk guitar that had been provided by a friend of mine. A straight-back chair sat next to the table, and a red and black Indian blanket lay draped over its back. The lights dimmed, and this white-haired, elderly poet came slowly, center stage. A single spot provided the only light in the hall. His suit was black. The backdrop was black. His hair glistened. We sat in silence as he arranged the blanket around his lap and legs. There's a real draft of here, he said. He picked up a book and started to read. 
He had this sing-song voice that reflected growing up on the flat lands of central Illinois. Chicago, hog butcher of the world, tool maker, stacker of wheat, player with railroads and the nation's freight handler, stormy, husky, brawling, city of the big shoulders. He read many others, including fog. The fog comes on little cat feet. It sits looking over harbor and city on silent haunches and then moves on. He picked up the guitar, strummed once and sang. Froggy went accordin' and he did ride. Uh-huh. Froggy went accordin' and he did ride. Uh-huh. Froggy went accordin' and... He stopped. The hall was silent. He placed the guitar on the table and reached for a book. I'll read some more poetry now, he said. He read more poetry, then picked up the guitar again. Froggy went accordin' and he did ride. Uh-huh. Froggy went accordin' and he did ride. Uh-huh. Froggy went accordin' and... He stopped in the same place, placed his guitar back on the table. I forget the words to that song right now. I'll read some more poetry. This was repeated three or four more times. The audience remained absolutely silent. We all knew we were witnessing a great mind that was leaving us. The poet was dying. He did in fact die within just a few years. For us, the poetry lives on and on and on. Retirement gives us time to pause with poets, both living and dead. We could do worse than spend some time with poetry. This is Retirement Talk. If you have questions, comments, or stories concerning retirement, contact Dell at retirementtalk.org.